The Holy Spirit is your great helper. So God helps. Jesus obviously helps. But personally, applicably, the Holy Spirit is called our helper. And you know that. So let's get more familiar with our helper. Because if you're going to really get help from God, it's not going to be from someone you don't know and someone you can't see up in the cloud somewhere. Sometimes people think that God is so far that anytime they get help, it's like a special thing. It's not supposed to be all that special, meaning, or, or it's not supposed to be all that unique. It's supposed to be commonplace for the Christian. And so the only reason it can be commonplace is because he's actually still here. He's actually here. It's like you wives have a husband and he's with you, isn't he? And he's in the house and anything you tell him to do, he does it, right? I mean, I mean, husbands, you have a wife and anything you tell her to do, she does it, right? Okay. Anything you ask her to do, she might do it. No. When you have somebody with you, it's a relationship and it's easier, right? It's like, Hey, bring Can you bring me a thing? Can you bring me? Hey, can you come here? Can you come there? Can you do this? Hey, let's do this. Let's do that. It's a relationship and it's, you're expecting help. If you knew the Holy Spirit that well, that's how your daily life would be. He'd help you through everything because he's called the helper. So let's read the scripture just to remind us. These are very foundational scriptures about the Holy Spirit. John chapter 14, this is Jesus talking because at this point, there's no human except him that had the Holy Spirit. So you need to recognize that it's a big deal now that we have the Holy Spirit because back then they didn't. Before Jesus and before he actually died and rose, no one had the Holy Spirit. Everyone had to do life by themselves. Everyone had to work at it by themselves. And no one could do spiritual things really well without the Holy Spirit. It's a big deal that Jesus died and rose and sent the Holy Spirit to us. You need to act like it. We need to act like the Holy Spirit is a big deal. I assure you he's a big deal. But he's only a big deal that make him a big deal. For half the world, for all the world and half the Christians, he's not that big of a deal because they haven't ever put some faith toward him. Because he's still invisible, you gotta use your faith. John chapter 14, verse 15. If you love me, hang my picture over your bed. No. <laughs> if you love me, keep my commandments. So how many of you love Jesus? All right, then <clears throat> if you love me, keep my commandments and I will pray the father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. So this is Jesus ministry. He's telling them, Hey, listen, uh, I'm going to pray something to the father. So just keep following me and, and you'll run right into him because I'm going to send him to you. Now, one of his commands was, you wait in the temple, uh, after, and he was going to ascend, wait in the temple in Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. And that's when the Holy Spirit filled all the house where they were sitting, and tongues sat upon them, and they began to speak with other tongues. So you recall Acts chapter 2. This is what he's partly referring to, obey what I say. Tarry in the temple until the power comes. 
But he says, I'll pray the Father and he will give you another helper. Now that word helper in the, in the King James is comforter. In the Greek, it means it's paraclete. It just means the standby, the, the one who's with you, the one who jumps in the foxhole with you in war, the one who's always your companion. He'll give you another helper because at this point, Jesus was their helper. The disciples who got to stay with Jesus closely, he helped them. Well, he says, I'm going to send you another helper because I'm going to get out of here. I'll send you another helper and he'll, he'll abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Meaning right now it was Jesus they were familiar with. He said, you know, you know him, the spirit, he was the spirit and he's going to be in you. So the person of Jesus was planning to be in us. Look at verse 25. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Notice what the helper does. Teach us and remind us. And that's why you can feel reminded throughout your life about what to do, what not to do, how to do it, where to do it, when to do it, everything about your life, how to get joy, how to get comfort, how to get love, how to walk in all these things, how to fulfill the will of God and the plan of God and all the great things of God. Only can the Holy Spirit help you do that. It's not your intellect, et cetera, et cetera. Look at John chapter 15, verse 26. It says, but when the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. And this is very important for you to recognize. The Holy Spirit, whenever you, whenever you open your mouth to share Christ with somebody, it's the Spirit that actually does the testifying. You're talking, you're telling, you're doing things that you know to do, but it's really the Spirit, invisibly, who does the testifying. Because it's supernatural. To share the gospel with another person is not like selling a car. The Holy Spirit is the one who's doing the invisible testifying to the heart of a person. Only the Holy Spirit can convince them, or we could say can convict a sinner and, and cause them to desire God. You got to do the talking so that he can do the convincing. He's the one that testifies. And so don't worry about how, how, how weird you sound when you talk about Christ. You could stutter, you could be afraid, you could... You could look really strange testifying of Christ. You could mess up every other word. You could misquote scripture. You could say John 3.16 was Romans 10.19. You could just make up all sorts of stuff. I mean, on accident. And the Holy Spirit would just make it so smooth and the person would say, wow, I must, I must know this Jesus. If you'll have just a little bit of faith in the Holy Spirit doing his work so that you can open your mouth, man, he'll save souls through you. He'll deliver oppressed people through you. You don't know how to lay hands on the sick and have them recover. Just try it and see. He's the doer of the works. Jesus said that. He said, the Father in me, he does the work. You get familiar with the Father in you and Christ in you and the Holy Ghost in you, and you do the works. This is how you have a good Christian life. This is how you change the world. <clears throat> Look at John 16, verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Holy Spirit 
or the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I'll send him to you. And when he's come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. He's the convictor of the world. The Holy Spirit's the one that convinces the sinners that they need to be saved. But I like this. He says, it's to your advantage if I go. Because, you know, the disciples were like, Jesus, we want you here forever. That's how we feel about humans. We want every human that we know to stay forever. Well, particularly with Jesus, he said, it's to your advantage if I go. Because if I don't go, then you only get one, just Jesus. Like everybody's fighting over Jesus. Think about it. You got a crowd of people. Well, you got 12 of them. They're all fighting over Jesus. They want to sit next to him. They're all fighting over who gets to sit closest to him. He said, I got to get out of here, man. You guys are pestering me. No. He said, I got to get out of here so that the Holy Spirit can come, so that I can come to all of you. So think about the 12, the 70, the, the 5,000, the 3,000. I mean, all of a sudden you got thousands of people and it's too hard to fight over him. So that's one of the reasons why he only spent three and a half years ministering. He's like, I got to get out of here so that you can all get the Holy Spirit and have a life with God. Holy Spirit's a big deal because you can be at home with the Holy Spirit. And if you're at home with the Holy Spirit in a real way, he will help you wake up on Sunday morning and come to be with the saints. Oh no, I got the Holy Spirit. It's all I need. No, he's going to help you do all things right. He's going to help you. He's your guy. He's going to guide you right to church. Praise the Lord. So let's talk about the Holy Spirit some. Let's think of the Holy Spirit and talk about the Holy Spirit as much as we talk about God. At least think about it. You don't have to sound weird, but you know, the New Testament's full of the Lord Jesus Christ and God, the Father, and the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit. And so let's get familiar with Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit. It's, it's kind of difficult at it, it, the beginning. It's like, well, I don't know, sure, was that God or was that Jesus or was that the Holy Spirit? If, if, you, if you guys could just kind of slow down, like who's talking? Well, work at it. Work at it. Just remember that the Holy Spirit's with you. If you knew the Holy Spirit was as close and in you as he is, it just changed your whole daily life. Like look over to the empty seat next to you. Just pretend the Holy Spirit's there. Just pretend the Holy Spirit's there. When you're driving in your car, pretend the Holy Spirit's there. If the Holy Spirit, your helper, is with you always, then really your life changes, doesn't it? Like you can't even get sad if the Holy Spirit's next to you. It's like, I feel a little bit sad. Oh, I ain't so sad after all. God's with me. Terrible news. What do you think, Holy Spirit? Should I be sad? Nah. What do I do about this trouble? Don't worry. Oh, okay. If you knew the Holy Spirit was with you, it changes everything. You'd, be, you'd actually be nice if the Holy Spirit was with you. If you knew the Holy Spirit was with you, you just a... Oh, yeah. I love Jesus, so I'm going to keep his commands. You're right. I love all people. I'm going to love these people. It'll help you be gentle. Holy Spirit will help you not fly off the handle. Holy Spirit will help you have a good attitude. And that's where I better go back to the Bible, huh? You cannot allow yourself to have some old American attitude. Just an old American attitude or whatever country you're from or where you live. You cannot afford to have just an old cultural attitude. Be mad at everything everybody else is mad about. If you knew the Holy Spirit was that close, man, he'd help you have a good attitude. 
Paul had a good attitude in prison. All the apostles had a good attitude, even in tribulation. Matter of fact, the more tribulation, the more joy. Praise the Lord. So remember, he's the ever-present Holy Spirit. He's with you every moment. He helps you to love. He helps you to live. He helps you to receive promises. You can't receive the promises without the help of the Holy Spirit. It's too hard on the natural brain. Matter of fact, if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit speaking with tongues, you'll find it very difficult to believe these Bible promises in spite of your predicament. Without the baptism of the Spirit and power and tongues, it'll be very, very difficult to get excited about a promise of God. To the natural mind, it's like, huh, you sure that wasn't written just for the old days? But when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, you light up. It's like, whoa, that's for me. How do you know it's for you? Because the Holy Spirit testifies. The Holy Spirit confirms it. It's like, that's for me, and that's for me, and that's for me. Woo! He'll help you hear God speak. He'll help you obey God. The Holy Spirit helps you learn, guides you in all truth. Holy Spirit helps you remain joyful no matter what. Helps you remain peaceful and kind. Helps you feel close to God so that he's not way off somewhere. And the Holy Spirit helps you believe. He helps you believe. He's your helper. He helps you pray. We don't know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Holy Spirit helps our infirmities. And he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. The Holy Spirit is a big deal. You need to get familiar with him. But you gotta practice being with him. You gotta submit to him. You gotta yield to him. You gotta learn that, oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Hey, where do I go? What do I do? Where do I go? What do I do? You need to learn how to live a life with the Holy Spirit. It's more fun anyway. It's more fun anyway. The Holy Spirit, getting help from your helper, getting help from the Holy Spirit is the exact opposite of self-help. The world is infatuated with self-help because that's all they know is self. Self-help books, self-help videos, self-help medicine, self-help Nutrition, self-help, self-help. Okay, do, do something, do some good, be, be smart. On, on the other hand, make sure you start yielding and leaning on the Holy Spirit help. We have so many conveniences in life, it's hard to lean on the help of the Holy Spirit. It's hard to lean on the help of the Holy Spirit. You know, you got a medicine cabinet. You got entertainment. You got a phone with GPS. He didn't even have to lead you to the... Next town, you just get a map. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. There are hardly any more testimonies of the Lord leading somebody where they didn't know to go. Because now I just pull out my phone. Well, we're, if my phone dies, I'm, I'm, I'll just wait till it charges. <laughs> I opened up my glove box the other day. I still have a paper map in there. You know why I have it in there? In case my phone dies. <laughs> but you miss a lot of stories if you just lean on conveniences. Uh, the pure life is really fun where you get to lean on the Holy Spirit. Uh, you know, you can't even believe who you are in Christ without the Holy Spirit. I mean, it just won't make any sense until you're filled with the Holy Spirit and speak with tongues and have the kingdom opened up to you in a real way. But you got to really want this stuff. Uh, it takes boldness to believe the promises. Only the Holy Ghost can give you the boldness you need. 
That's one of the first things you get when somebody lays hands on you and the Spirit comes upon you and you speak with tongues. Boldness comes. You get a little bit more tough. You get a little bit tougher in the Lord, a little tougher in the Spirit. Feels like you can conquer the world. Why is that? Because now greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Some people have a question. Well, I thought we got the Holy Spirit when we got saved. Why do you keep talking about a subsequent experience? Well, yes, you receive the Holy Spirit or you receive a stamp and a seal of the Holy Spirit and an inward presence of the Holy Spirit when you're born again. Once you're born of the Spirit, he comes to live inside you and things change. Yes, that's wonderful. But then there's a subsequent moment when the Spirit of God comes upon you. He comes up on. And in the coming up and on, there's tongues and power that comes. And it's really simply because the power is in you already, but until you can yield to it, and the first yielding to the Spirit is with the tongue. (laughs) Speaking in tongues is where you yield a very important part of your life to God. And he gives you utterance from the Spirit. You speak with tongues. That's your first yielding to the Holy Spirit. And then there's power associated. So don't get it too confused. Uh, you did receive the Holy Spirit to a degree, but the Bible term receive the Holy Spirit refers to being filled with and tongues. Baptized, filled with, receiving the Holy Spirit. Scripturally, it's when the tongues comes upon you and the power comes upon you and you speak in tongues and prophesy. <clears throat> So the Holy Spirit's here to help you catch the spirit of faith, to catch the spirit of faith. Turn with me to Acts chapter 9. I want to read this account. It's kind of an exciting account because it gives you some facets of how this spirit-filled life operates. Uh, You know, a life with the Holy Spirit gives you an advantage, helps you be able to do supernatural things that you weren't really planning to do. And uh, if you'll give yourself over to him, you'll have a, a rich life, a rich life. Um, there we got books in the bookstore. Lester Summerall is one that I always recommend because he, he lived before cell phones. And so there's so many wonderful, wonderful stories of just raw leading of God and finding God and miracles of God that uh, today we, we have a harder time with because of all the conveniences of life. But he was a, uh, a traveling evangelist, then he became a missionary, and he's got some just phenomenal stuff that happened because he followed the Holy Spirit and miracles happened and followed the Holy Spirit and followed the Holy Spirit and all of a sudden and all of a sudden, it just make, it'll make you laugh and cry uh, at the same time, but kind of special. But here's, here's one of the stories that I like to tell of him because uh, uh, it gets people involved. So if you want to be involved in the kingdom of God, you're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit and yield to his promptings. If you want the help of the Holy Spirit, you'll have to be uh, uh, active because he's your helper. You're not his. You can't just look over at him and and say, uh, pray for me. Do this for me. It doesn't work that way. He helps you do. He helps you. You got to do the stuff. He'll help you do it. But anyway, so Lester Sumrall was... uh, in China, missionary, traveling. And in those days, you traveled by horse and donkey and walking. Because there was, back in the early 1900s, especially overseas, there wasn't any cars. And so he was, uh, they had gotten up one morning to head from one village to the other village. And he's in a caravan of about, I don't know, 10, 12 different people. And everybody's kind of following the path. And he was uh, in the back, 
But he had contracted dysentery, which is from drinking the water, getting some of the you know, bacteria. So he had this terrible, terrible stomach problem. He was in the back, and he got, he got so sick and so dizzy, he fell off of his horse. And he had enough cognizance to tie his horse to the, to the little bush. And then he passed out, and he actually died. Or he actually almost died. He wasn't sure. And so nobody knew that he had passed out. He was in the back. Nobody knew that he fell off his horse and passed out. They all went on. Hours later, he wakes up in the middle of the sun, and he's totally well. He gets up, gets on his horse, and heads to the town and meets his crew. That was it. Well, years later, a year or two later, he's uh, in the United States. He's preaching. He's in Alabama, preaching for some pastors. Uh, and his past, these pastors at dinner, they said, uh, hey, uh, we want to ask you something. A couple years ago, uh, we had something happen to us here at the house, and we just wanted to see if, uh, if it connected with you. He said, what was it? They said, well, do you, do, you, do you know what you were doing on, you know, June 12th, whatever the year was? He said, well, you know, I keep a diary that's, I got three years worth of biography, three years worth of uh, uh, journaling. Uh, and so let me just take a look. He said, yep. He said, yep, that was the day that I fell off my horse and almost died with dysentery. They said, we want you to know what happened. We woke up in the middle of the night, which would be a different time zone, you know. We woke in the, in the middle of the night with you on our heart, knowing that you were about to die. And so we prayed in tongues and prayed in tongues for about 30 minutes until we knew we had the victory, and then we went back to sleep. Now, that's how the Lord around the world can use believers to help other believers. But you got to yield. Like most of the time, if the Lord were to wake me up in the middle of the night, I would think that it wasn't God. <laughs> like, that must not be God. That's just not how he uses me. But you need to get familiar with how the Lord uses you and begin to yield to him. Have you ever been used, yield to the Spirit, to do something like kind of out of the ordinary? Well, this is one of the helps he gives. And it's, and it's done not just you and he, you and he, you and he. No, it's you and he and others and you and he and others and you and he. And he, He's using the body of Christ to help one another. Like all the manifestations are given so that all can profit. And so your gift is not for you. You've got to get familiar with your gift so that you can help others as needed. I remember one of the first times this happened to me. Uh, years ago, years ago, first couple years in the Lord. And I had, all of a sudden, my, this friend of mine came to, came to mind. And I'm like, oh, no, I, I got to call him. So I called him, and I got his voicemail. And I said, hey, hey, Ricky, hey, I don't know what's going on, man, but uh, I just want you to, I want to let you know that everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be fine. Don't worry. That's all I could say. I didn't know what else to say, so I just hung up. He calls me back later that day. He said, hey, Chaz, he said, I was in the emergency room. I thought I had broke my hand playing basketball. He said, but they, they did the x-rays and there was nothing wrong. So it's, it'll, swelling will go down, whatever. That was just a simple way, a simple means of encouragement from God to him through me. So you need to notice when people come to your mind. Now, if you're obsessing over someone already, that doesn't count. 
Like if you're really worried about your adult daughter all the time and then you think, oh, the Lord put her on my heart. No, I doubt it. <laughs> Point is you got to get familiar with yielding and be open to the Lord using you in many ways. Pastor Joni wakes up every day expecting the Lord to give her someone in the church to pray for. It might not even be somebody in the church. Usually it is. But somebody that might be in need, somebody to encourage, somebody to at least pray for. And every, every other morning or two, she'll tell me, well, today I broke up and I had so-and-so and then they called me today. Very supernatural stuff. So yield your, yourself and, and open up to it so that you can be used by God. And then you can get the help you need. Because if you give, you'll... Praise the Lord. Okay, so let's read this account in Acts chapter 9. This is uh, Paul before he got saved. He was called Saul. Uh, but let's take a look here. So verse 1, Acts 9, 1. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. That's what they used to call the Christians is we were of the way. See that word way? It's capitalized in some translations. The way is Jesus. And that's what they said. These people are of that way, that strange way, that weird way, the way of Christ. Whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. And he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Lord, who are you? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you're persecuting. You notice how he already called him Lord. Doesn't take much. When you recognize this is the Lord, you better just say the Lord. So this was his moment of salvation when he said, Lord, because anybody that calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. He said, who are you, Lord? The Lord said, I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting. It's hard for you to kick against the goads. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? That'd be good for all of you to say. You realize that God is alive, Jesus is real? You're supposed to say, okay, what do you want me to do? And the Lord said to him, arise and go to the city, and it'll be told to you what you must do. Why couldn't he just tell him? It'd be wise to, to open up and recognize what's happening here. This is how the Lord works with people. He needs you to believe him to the next step before he can send you to the next step, before he can tell you the big plan. He needs you to be faithful in the little things before you ever get to hear any kind of a big thing. Arise, go to the city, and you'll be told what you, uh, told what you must do. And so the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand, led him by the hand and brought him to Damascus. He was blinded. And he was three days without sight, and neither ate nor drink. Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, here I am, Lord. Now this is already a disciple who believes and is filled with the Holy Spirit. Notice Ananias is a, he's a disciple. Doesn't say he's an apostle, a preacher, or any kind of a minister. He's a disciple. Notice how God will use everybody who's open and willing and yielded to the Holy Spirit. He said, here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire of the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he's praying. 
And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. So we didn't see that account already, but he's explaining what the Lord's, the Lord's explaining what he had been showing Saul. And Ananias answered and said, Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much harm has he's done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said, go, for he's a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Notice if you're going to get involved in this, don't be thinking, oh, this will make me popular. This will make me famous. This is how I'm going to get some good feeling. No, you'll get to suffer. How many of you want to be used by God? How many want to be used by God? All right, all right. Here comes some suffering. And listen, listen, listen. You got to be real careful here because some people have taken this as a fault and turned into a false doctrine. We're not talking about the devil causing you to suffer at every turn. This is not when you serve God that the devil's going to whip you. No, when you serve God, the devil whips you less. The closer you get to God, the less demons you have. Don't believe the lie. They say, oh, if you, really, if you take a step for God, oh, watch out. All demons are going to come after you. No, all demons are going to finally flee from me. They've been keeping me closeted like an idiot, and I'm going to break free and get close to God. That's the reality. So when Scripture says you're going to suffer, it's only talking about Christian suffering, which is the mainly persecution-style suffering. I mean, you're going to have to lose some friends. Now that's suffering. Yeah, you're going to have to disconnect from worldliness. That's tough. And, 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 and selfish ambition, that ain't easy. And self-sacrifice, that ain't too easy. We're not talking about sickness, disease, and tragedy. We're not talking about broken cars and broken house and broken relationship with your spouse. We're talking about, we're talking about Christian suffering, which is, man, now I've got to look at the sin and still be happy. Now I've got to deal with people who reject Christ and me and everybody else. Now I've got to, you know, ignore family members who are mean and, and, and unsaved, et cetera, et cetera. That's, that's what he's talking about. Now with Paul in the early church, he's talking about getting killed for your faith. None of you are having to deal with getting killed for your faith, are you? I'm looking. So the suffering that they're dealing with is way different. Now, there's some, you know, uh, martyrs and some killing going on around the world, but not in America. Nobody's getting killed for their faith. But what if it did happen? What if it did? Are you okay with that? I'm not looking around. Are you prepared? Every real Christian should think about it at least 15 minutes. Think about, it. you know what? What if they knocked at my door and, and made me decide? What would I do? I encourage you to think about it so that you can devote all of your life, not just the easy part. So anyway, here we go. Verse 17, Ananias went his way and entered the house and laying his hands on him, he said, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me that you may receive your sight. And look what he said, and be filled with the Holy Spirit. You didn't even read that in here, did you? That wasn't what he told him to do. He said, lay your hands so he can receive his sight. There was more to the story that we didn't hear in the first account. Now Ananias has given him the full picture and be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
So Paul has already believed in Jesus. He's already admitted to the Lord that he's the Lord. Born again. Obeyed God. And God needed Ananias to go lay hands on and get him filled with the Holy Ghost. So don't be, don't stumble at that activity. So many Christians for so many years have felt like, oh, well, you know, I don't really need that. I, got, I think I got all I need. They told me that I got all the Holy Ghost that I need, so I don't know about that whole laying on of hands business. But if you read Scripture, it looks like it's needed sometimes. Lay his hands on and receive the Holy Spirit. And that's why we emphasize it here. Almost every service, we give people a chance to come be filled with the Holy Spirit. As much as you need to be saved, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Some people get radically changed at the born-again experience, yes. But other people sometimes need the baptism of the Holy Spirit to experience their radical change. But even, forget radical, we're just talking about obeying the Lord. You're supposed to get saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. And he called it receive the Holy Spirit. And what happens when you receive the Holy Spirit? You speak with tongues. It's real simple, but that's when the fires of God come. And depending on how much you want him, depending on how hungry you are for the Holy Ghost, depending how zealous and desperate you are to be filled with him is the degree that you get filled. And some people didn't really even know and they got filled anyway. Well, that means you were pretty emptied up of self and just in a place of purity where you could receive from God. So I can't explain every single detail for every single story, but the reality is if you'll get hungry for God, you'll get filled. I remember a time we were uh, knocking on doors in apartments and leading people to Christ and praying for them and helping them. And we came across this one lady who was saved, but in a place of, you know, desperation and sorrow and depression and all that. Well, we came into her house and man, it was dark and the, the the window blinds were down and no light. And you could tell it was musty and dirty. And it's like, oh, let's pray for this lady. So we offered her to be filled with the Holy Spirit. She said, okay. And she spoke with tongues. She, she received the Holy Spirit, spoke with tongues and, and was happy. We left and she was totally happy. We came back the next week to check on her, walked in the house. It was a whole different house. It was clean, smelled good. The windows were up, light was shining. I mean, night and day in one week. Hey, you, you keep walking with the Holy Ghost, walking with God, follow what's right, get filled with the Spirit, He'll give you some power. He'll give you some power to overcome darkness in your life. And if your house is dark and dim in the brightness of the day, there's some depression that's sneaking in there. There's demons that come in and infilter people's homes and just make them kind of uh, unfit for a, 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 a life for a life-filled life, for a Christ-filled life, you need to have some light shining in. And I'm not putting people down if your house is dim and dark and, and musty. What I'm saying is that's, that's evidence you, there's a better way to live. There's a better way to live, and you need to step, step up to it and say, you know what, it's time to get things right. Because if it's not right in your house and in your car, then I don't know what else is following you around. But just treat it like evidence, like, oh, this is kind of an evidence that there might be some demons dirtying up my life in some way. And we can take it even further and say, whatever's in your brain kind of helps you give some evidence. <laughs> this is not part of the message, so <laughs> let me rewind back to where we're at here. But you do need to be on guard and recognize where the devil may be putting some darkness and some dirt in there that doesn't belong.
The story was a good story, though, because she got free. So you never know what's going to happen. You just got to give yourself to the Holy Spirit. So part of this is you need the Holy Ghost. He will help you with all these different aspects of life. He'll help you enter into the kingdom. He'll help you enter into the spirit of faith. He'll help you enter into this new way of looking at things. There's the kingdom of the world, and there's the kingdom of God. The kingdom of the world is weird. He'll help you out of that and into the kingdom of God. He'll help you go from looking from the outside in at church. He'll help you come in and he'll help you enter in to the reality of the church life, the kingdom life, the body of Christ life. There's people outside, even Christians, who look at church life, kingdom life, and it looks insignificant. Just, eh, church, oh, I don't know what they do in there. Couldn't be all that great. I got a big life to live. When you're not in the church, life is huge and church is small. Kingdom is small. Once you get into the church, into the kingdom of God, it's vast, isn't it? It's like, wow. I mean, one chapter, it's like, whoa, wow. And then the world is small. So if you spend a long time outside and not in church, church was tiny and it was hard to get here. Once you get in and plug in, it's like, wow. And the world gets smaller. This is how you become kingdom-minded and not worldly-minded. So use your faith and say, you know what? It looks tiny, but I'm going anyway. Hallelujah. He'll help you enter in. Because a lot of things in this life you have to enter in. And a lot of things out there keep you from entering into the real kingdom of God. It's like you can't... You can't even enter into the thought of the kingdom without the Holy Spirit and without a little bit of faith. The Bible says that it's hard for rich people to enter the kingdom. How hard it is for those that have riches to enter the kingdom. Why? Because they're passing by. And I'm not just talking about going to church. I'm talking about passing by God, passing by the kingdom, passing by all the other people that found God. Oh, I don't need that. Ah, they've got everything they need. They don't need that. It's hard for people with riches to know that they need God. Simple as that. He'll help you enter into the spirit of faith so that you can believe. Matter of fact, the Jews could not enter the promised land because of unbelief. To enter your promised land, you need faith and you need the Holy Ghost. You have to enter the kingdom like a child. Well, a child can't do a whole lot unless he's got the Holy Spirit. If you have the Holy Spirit, he'll help you get everything. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. He'll help you get full. Because if you're not full of the Holy Ghost, you'll be filled with other things. The Bible has a whole lot of other things that you could be filled with. At one time they were filled with wrath. You can be filled with wrath and anger. Filled with rage. If you have an anger problem, you're not full of the Holy Ghost. If you have an anger problem, you're not full of the Holy Ghost. Or we could say, okay, fine. You might have spoke with tongues at some point in your life. So you might have been filled at one point, but not today. Because if you're filled with the Holy Spirit today, you'll be nice. You'll be happy. You won't be angry. And the little things that don't go your way won't cause you to have great rage. How many of you have broken something in your house? No, don't, I'm just kidding. Don't raise your hand. 
That was the day you, you were not full of the Holy Ghost that day. You did not wake up and pray in tongues. You did not fill yourself with the word. You let something else fill you, but it wasn't the Holy Ghost. And then some carnal person will say, yeah, yeah, but Jesus, he got mad one time and he broke stuff. <laughs> Jesus, when he overturned the money changers and drove everybody out of the temple, he was not in a fit of rage. People have used that. I've, I mean, I've had to counsel people about this. I've had to answer more than one email on the exact same topic. Jesus was not filled with rage. No. Matter of fact, if you read the account, he went in and saw what was happening. And then they went to the desert. Remember, that's when he cursed the fig tree overnight. He came back the next day and drove them out. He sat on it for a day. He didn't just lose his temper. Don't be using that as your excuse. They were filled with indignation sometimes. Unsaved people are filled with all sorts of stuff, filled with envy. If you're a believer, you should be filled, filled with the Holy Ghost and none of these words. One time they were, the whole city was filled with confusion, you'll see in the Bible. You'll get filled with, all, filled with fear. You'll get filled with all sorts of things if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit. You'll get consumed. You'll get overtaken. You'll get drunk with all sorts of other things if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5, 18, be, be not drunk with wine but be filled with the Spirit. So being filled with the Spirit helps you not need to get drunk, not to get, need to get filled with alcohol. So if you're still needing to get filled with alcohol, you're not full of the Holy Ghost. So you're, you're using a worldly uh, solution to overcome your sadness or your lack of zeal and you're, you're just bored, whatever. Well, get filled with the Holy Ghost, you won't be so bored. That's a good thing for you parents and your teenagers. And I'm so bored. Go get filled with the Holy Ghost. You won't be bored anymore. Go pray in tongues for an hour and come talk to me after. They'll forget how bored they were. Now, I realize that to be honest, listen, to be honest, I'm acting like all of you are going to do this. I'm acting like all of you are getting this and saying, yes, I want to go pray in tongues more. I'm acting like that. I expect that. God expects that. Jesus wanted us all filled. But I know and he knows you're not all going to do it. Is this reverse psychology? Am I, am I pulling that? I know you're not all. And you know your teenagers aren't going to do it. Not every time. But it is the answer. Even if you don't think it's the answer, because when you're in a fit of carnality, when you're desperate, when you're bored, when you're dry, when you're hurt, when you're in a place, there ain't no spiritual thing that you want to do. It don't matter who tells you. Your mom can tell you. Your pastor can tell you. God himself can tell you. It's the truth. When you're in a, a non-spiritual state, your flesh does not want you to do anything. It just feels like the worst thing in the world. You get sick, somebody says, quote some scripture. Oh, what's that going to do? Well, it is the solution. And so faith people with the Holy Ghost can actually take the step and get the power. So I'm telling you the solution, and I'm trusting that at some point you're going to try it. 
These are things that you got to talk about in church and spirit filled churches actually talk about these things. There's no self-help lesson. There's no self-help rhyming little cute phrases I can give you little titles with fancy little props on the stage just to entertain you. No, this is Holy Ghost type life. Praise the Lord. We'll give you a chance at the end of service. We'll have some prayer partners up here. Come get filled with the Holy Spirit. Come get the rest of your language. Come get the rest of the power. You actually got all the power, but come actually yield to it once again. You need some manifestations of the Spirit in your life. It's like he's given the manifestation to all of you. Somebody's got something. Everybody's got some gift of God. You need to start using it. He needs you. We need you. Glory. So you get filled with the Holy Spirit and you, and you live a life with the Holy Ghost, you'll stay full of comfort. You'll be full of peace and joy, righteousness. You'll feel right with God. You'll be bold, not mean and cantankerous and loud. I'm talking about just confident. You know, the, the Lord gives you, once you're in faith, you have a quiet assurance through life. You don't have to be mad at everybody in the world. I mean, how, mad at the fast food restaurant, mad at the drive, my, mad at the traffic, mad at the politician, mad at the whole wide world. I'm trusting everybody's going to stop being so mad at everything. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. You got to go after these things. Listen, I, you got to hear it in church or somewhere and say, you know what? God, I think I need to, I need something. I don't know what it is, but I need something. And then go after him. I remember a story of Charles Finney. Uh, he wasn't saved. He was in this town and he was, he was like one of the top attorneys and just very worldly and heathen. Didn't want anything to do with Christians. He said that he had heard all the Christians praying all their lives, begging God for all this stuff, and nothing ever got answered. He said, he said, none of it matched what the Bible said. I just couldn't put up with it. He didn't want anything to do with God. But then he said this. He said, you know, I wouldn't mind knowing if somebody, you know, preached the gospel to him, told him he needed to be saved. He goes, you know, I wouldn't mind being saved if I could get it from somewhere else than these people, because they were just so desperate and so far from God, it sounded. And he said, uh, I'd like to know if I was going to go to heaven or hell. And then it started bothering him, started getting convicted about it. And he started reading the Bible a bit. And he thought, you know, I need to do something about this. I don't know what to do. And then one day he's walking either home or to work or something. And the Holy Spirit said, what are you waiting on? What's holding you up? And so he said, okay, that's it. He said, I'm going into the woods. I'm not coming out until I give my life to God. He went in there and started trying to pray. He couldn't pray. He was dry. And then he felt guilty for saying that. Just dealing with himself. You know, you've had to deal with yourself. So he's dealing with himself. And, and then he began, to, he, he began to pray a little bit more and he began to appropriate, he said, a prom, promises. Just say some things from the Bible that he had read and knew was true. It's one thing to know it's truth. Another, it's another thing to apply it into your life, right? He began to do that. And after a while, all of a sudden, he didn't feel like a sinner anymore. All of a sudden, he says he could not drum up any guilt whatsoever, because that was the nature of how a lot of the gospel was. You got to drum up the guilt before you get saved. And it might do some of you good. I mean, some of the other people good <laughs> to feel a little bit guilty before you get saved, like get hungry before you get fed. But anyway, he said, I couldn't feel any guilt whatsoever. He said, I felt so free and happy. 
He said, and it was just so wonderful. And he said, he went to his house. He said, I couldn't get rid of the feeling that everything was so wonderful. And I began to just thank God. And he said, then the spirit came upon me. And he said, and, and it was just these waves of love and waves of fire were flowing over me. And I said, Lord, Lord, it's got to stop or I'm going to die. <laughs> well, his whole life changed and he becomes a, a famous evangelist in the 1800s. Okay, so the, the point is he was desperate. The point is he, he decided. The point is he went after something that he didn't even know all the details to. Uh, and then the truth is God always fills the hungry. So listen, if you've heard things in church, if you've read things, if you've had any idea that there's a reality of God, you better want him. To have him, you got to want him. And then you got to make a decision to go after him and decide, I'm not, I'm not going to stop until I find him. Don't peter out early. Don't just dabble. Go all the way. Listen, if you gave your life to Jesus hoping that you wouldn't be so depressed, it's real. Well, I still feel you didn't go far enough. Come a little further. Let's get you filled with the Holy Spirit. Speak with tongues. Come on, go further. Learn some Bible. Learn who you are in Christ. Come a little further. You got to come a little further. You got to really desire God and, des and believe that he is who he says he is and who you are that he says you are. You got to go a little further. You can have it all. If you want a supernatural life with God, you can have it. And it won't be like a science fiction movie. It'll be real. It'll be like a person's in your house and a person's in your room and, and that somebody's inside your heart and that there's something that comes every time you look to him and something that comes every time you read the Bible and you can just open up the Bible anywhere except Leviticus and it get happy. And if you really get filled with the Holy Ghost, there's a few things in Leviticus that'll make you happy. You got to weed through a bunch of the begats, but you can find it. Praise the Lord. Listen, God just wants us to be full of the Holy Ghost. You need to receive the Holy Spirit. You need to be full of the Holy Spirit. He's here for everybody. Go ahead and stand up to your feet. He'll give you a real life with God. You'll get to hear God speak. You'll finally learn God's voice. <clears throat> Might take a little time, but you'll, you'll learn to hear the voice of God. You'll learn to hear the voice of God. And something big will happen in your life. It'll look small, but it'll be big. Hearing, hearing, one, hearing one sentence from the Holy Spirit will be better than whatever lunch you have prepared today. Really, it'll just make your whole day. Now, you'll have to hear him again tomorrow, or it might last a month, but you need the glory of God every day. Hallelujah. There's a real life with God. You just have to kind of let go of some other things to have him. Thank you for joining Pastors Chaz and Joni today from Houston Faith Church. If you're looking for a good home church in Houston, Texas, we'd like to invite you to be our guest anytime. What you'll find is the Houston Faith Church is highly committed to the Word of God, the love of God, and the Spirit-filled life and ministry that Jesus expects. We know that everyone wants to make a difference in this life and that the Great Commission of the Lord Jesus Christ is the main thing for all of us. You'll find your purpose here and grow strong in faith at Houston Faith Church. Find more faith-building resources on our YouTube channel or subscribe to our free audio podcast. You can also connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. See you soon.